back to the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute. Your host for today's episode is Ryan Eras. Well, welcome back, one and all. This is the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute, also hosted on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. I'm Ryan Eras, and I am joined today by Andre Schutten. Andre is fellow for law and public public policy or law and civil discourse i'm I'm sorry my mistake uh fellow with the ezra institute for law and civil discourse he is general legal counsel for arpa canada and he is our man on the ground in ottawa right to right across from parliament hill there so andre it's a uh it's a pleasure to uh to speak to you again yeah, thanks so much, Ryan, for having me uh, back on the podcast. It's always good to to chat about the big political issues that are impacting our culture. Absolutely, no, I appreciate your uh, your time. And today we're gonna uh, we're gonna t- take a look at the uh, the Canadian federal government most their most recent uh, federal action plan. And I got to uh, I'm going to go slow and uh, use the the wording here that's uh, that's on the Government of Canada website. This is Canada's first federal 2S LGBTQI plus action plan, and the subtitle is "Building Our Future with Pride." Mm-hmm. So, Andre, this is a, a, a federal action plan. Uh, has has been announced, and what what this is uh, in uh, very broad strokes is the uh, the Canadian federal federal government has announced a five year plan with a hundred million dollar budget uh, to advance the rights of. I'm I'm not even going to try to repeat that uh, that string of characters. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it is important to notice it though, and mm-hmm. we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to advance those rights. Uh, generally speaking, mm-hmm. um, so what I was uh, what I was hoping to uh, to talk about today with you and get some commentary on is uh, some of the uh, some of the details of this plan, uh, mm-hmm. what it addresses, what it uh, may perhaps conveniently fails to address, and how, how do we how do we think about it? How do we respond to it? And what do we see? Do we see this as uh, as prelude to something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, um, like you already mentioned, just how much money is is involved with this action plan, right? It's uh, tied to this action plan is one hundred million dollars over the course of the next uh, five years. That's a that's a whole lot of money. Um, right. That's that's of course taxpayer money uh, that's being used to to uh, to give teeth to this to this action plan and. Uh, when when it was announced, uh, the prime minister, Mr. Trudeau, he uh, he said in a statement in a, in a press release, he said that uh, this is a whole of government approach and it's a whole of government approach to achieve a future where everyone in Canada is truly free to be to be who they are and to love who they love. And so so two things to note there. First of all, the whole of government approach means it's an action plan that's not just limited to one little um, or one particular ministry of the federal government or targeted at one particular uh, um, issue necessarily. Rather, it's a mm-hmm. we want to make sure, you know, from the prime minister's perspective, the prime minister and his cabinet, they want to make sure that every single 
uh, ministry and department in the federal government is thinking through the lens of this action plan, that they're always thinking about uh, 2S LGBTQI plus um, individuals and the agenda behind that that particular movement. Um, and, and then, you know, to use their tagline and to make sure that that our future is one where in Canada, everyone is truly free, truly free mm-hmm. to be who they are and to love who they love. And of course, uh, uh, I have a bone to pick with that because um, that's not actually at all what this federal government is, is about. Um, and, and we can talk a little bit more about this, Ryan, about about uh, the conversion therapy ban that that the federal government passed. Uh, right. very late last year, uh, it's not about being truly free to be who you are. Uh, in fact, the government has closed down that avenue uh, through the power of the criminal law and says you, uh, certain people are not free to be who they are uh, because we're going to make sure that you know a Christian who struggles with same-sex attraction, for example, can't have access to, uh, can't be free to seek out help from somebody who shares their faith commitments. And um, yeah, I, I think that that's that's the twist in the language behind all of this as well. So so it's it's a this is a pretty big deal. This action plan is a pretty big deal, and I think I think we need to be aware of it. Right. No, that's a uh, that's a good point. That the this language of of loving who you want to love and the the general policy of inclusion really cuts uh, cuts sharply in one direction. Yeah. Um, the. Uh, the other thing that uh, that I noticed that uh, I, I'm sure you noticed as well in this 50-page document mm-hmm. is that uh, it it begins uh, following the, the prime minister's message. It begins with a timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, it begins with a, a sort of history of what uh, what I guess you'd call milestones or key events in the uh, the identity of. Uh, 2S LGBTQ um, uh, events uh, or uh, what's uh, yes significant events in in that his, in history from that lens, mm-hmm. uh, beginning with uh, with Pierre Trudeau's omnibus bill in 1969, mm-hmm. which uh, which decriminalized uh, same sex behavior, mm-hmm. and. It, it goes through the uh, some significant events since then, up until and including uh, this very action plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, it's interesting in and of its or in the, some of the specifics there. But the uh, from a from a macro perspective, the mere the mere fact that this timeline is included, that it it exists and figures prominently in this plan. Uh, that that's suggestive to me that there's there's an understanding on the part of those who drafted it that we have come from a place ideologically and we are re- working towards and have not yet reached a place that we desire to be ideologically and socially mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely i mean um i think a great christian resource for understanding this history uh, from a philosophical and religious and cultural perspective is is the book that came out in 2020 by uh, Carl Truman called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And mm. and this timeline from the Federal Action Plan fits uh, very well in that in that narrative, because when you look at that that timeline, you can see that there's a fundamental shift in in understanding about 
um, who are we as human beings? What is in the public interest? What is in the public good? Um, what is, uh, yeah, what does it mean to be male? What does it mean to be female? What does it mean to be made in the image of God? Um, what are sexual ethics for? All of those kinds of questions. Uh, mm -hmm. those, are, those are deep religious and philosophical questions that have been wrestled with over the ages. But what this timeline uh, shows us is that uh, decidedly and markedly, uh, starting in 1969, um, our civil government, uh, especially through parliament, has embraced one side of that philosophical and religious debate and, and championed it, moving it forward. And, um, and certainly if you asked you know, Mr. Trudeau Sr. in 1969, if he would have envisioned where we are today, um, I, I suspect he would be surprised. Um, uh, but, but even so, it's it's all it's all part of the same um, the, the same process. And of course, um, to be to be liberal these days means to be progressive, and to be progressive means you're always moving forward. And so, yeah, it's never it's never. We never arrive um, as far as this particular movement is concerned. We always have to keep going forward. We always have to keep moving uh, further and further um, ahead. And so, like you said, I think I think the timeline shows you exactly that. It says, well, this is where we've come from. This is where we are so far. But where are we going next? Um, and, and that language is, is explicit in this action plan. I mean, again, even in the prime minister's uh, opening words there, he says mm -hmm. uh, and talks about, well, we need to. Um, we need to uh, continue to serve these communities and, and move things forward. We need to advocate for them. We need to strengthen them. We need to build on things. We need to uh, continue investing in things. So there's, there's this sense of forward movement that we haven't yet achieved what we're trying to achieve with, um, with this particular agenda. Right. Right. And, uh, and at, the, at the same time, uh, as, you've, uh, as you've rightly noted, Hundred million dollar budget. That's a uh, that's a goodish bit of money. <laughs> uh, to but to uh, to do what exactly uh, mm -hmm. is is not clear. Yeah. Uh, the act. There no the action steps are not uh, not concrete. You know to advance and strengthen rights mm -hmm. uh, both at home both home and abroad. Mm -hmm. uh, to fund research to lead to further initiatives. Mm -hmm. I mean it's it's difficult to to act on an attitude, uh, yes. a, a general posture towards something. Mm -hmm. uh, is, it, uh, is it known or is, it, uh, is, it, is there good information on what, what some of the concrete measures uh, could be that'll take place under this action plan? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, so, uh, so I'll give a couple of ideas that I think could be funded by this kind of thing. And then, and then one concrete thing that I think uh, we should all be very concerned about. So a couple of the, the general ideas, I mean, a hundred million dollars could go to, you know, it's available for any activist group to apply to the federal government and say, Hey, we're advancing something that fits into this broad and, uh, innocuous kind of statement. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're a group that wants to, um, uh, target Christian schools and and educate them about LGBTQ sorry two S LGBTQI plus um, uh, people and culture and so on. So can you give us five million dollars in order to pursue a, a reeducation plan for Christian schools across the country? Or uh, it could be another activist group that that says, oh, we wanna we wanna run a uh, a campaign to um, 
to support, you know, so-called quote unquote survivors of Christian conversion therapy, um, you know, and we need $2 million for that. Or, or we want to um, invest in, yeah, academic projects, which, you know, um, you know, we want a million or $2 million or $3 million to, to try to um, support court cases to continue to undermine religious freedom and to promote, you know, the equality rights of 2SLGBTQI uh, plus individuals and groups and, and, and so on. Like it could, because of the, the broad nature of, of the way they've described these things, you, you know, any activist group within that, that community could, could go to the federal government and say, we need this amount of money to achieve this, this kind of a project. And, and it's a quick little, uh, uh, check mark on the application and, and away they go. So so that that's concerning to me. Uh, but but let's get really concrete if if we can. In the the prime minister's uh, comments and in his press press release, uh, he said that the action plan will will accomplish uh, one uh, five things. There's a list of five things, and the second thing caught my eye, and and I'm just going to read it verbatim here for you. The second thing is that the action plan will continue to advance and strengthen 2SLGBTQI plus rights at home and abroad, including by building on the criminalization of conversion therapy and mm-hmm. launching consultations on additional criminal law reforms, as well as con- uh, continuing to invest in, in other projects abroad. So um, so those of you who have followed uh, the, the podcast uh, over the last year, you will know that uh, last year, late last year, uh, Parliament passed in in a ridiculously uh, quick and and um, uh, a quick way. They passed mm. a, a, a criminal law ban on conversion therapy. And of course, the concern for uh, Christians was that they defined conversion therapy so broadly as to include on on a plain reading of the definition uh, to include pastoral counseling, also pastoral counseling as it relates to sexual ethics and to human identity. And, um, and and so that's very concerning because uh, it's quite possible, again, on a plain reading of the definition of conversion therapy in the criminal code, that now pastoral counseling, Christian counseling that is orthodox, that is according to scripture, is, is now perhaps a, a criminal offense. But um, uh, so, so some Christian leaders have said, well, you know, it's a, it's a poorly drafted bill, and it is. It's, it's horribly drafted, uh, poorly drafted. Uh, it's susceptible to, to a charter uh, or constitutional challenge, I think. But, but even so, some Christian leaders have, have, have been uh, it's like, yeah, we, we can keep doing what we're doing. Uh, I'm not really too concerned about, about the law. Um, I don't think they're really actually going after pastors who are just giving good spiritual counsel. But but this puts, um, I think, puts an end to that kind of thinking because mm-hmm. the uh, particular group of activists that are behind conversion therapy bans and who will benefit uh, financially for sure uh, from this federal 2SLGBTQI plus action plan, um, they're not, it's not like, you know, once the conversion therapy ban was passed, they're like, all right, uh, dust off our hands, sit down, relax, because our work here on earth is done. Um, yeah. th- that yeah. wouldn't be their attitude. It's like, yeah, exactly. We, we've got to keep on pushing. We've got to keep on going. And and this makes it explicit. They're like, right. we're not we're not done with criminalizing conversion therapy. We need to look at additional, this is a quote, additional criminal law reforms. Well, what else, what else are they going to come after us for? Um, that's, that's what I wonder. And, and that's where we have to understand where are the particular activists 
that, that are on this issue, where are they actually coming from? What is actually their end goal? Their end goal is not pluralism. Their end goal is not uh, that Christians and two SLGBTQI activists, you know, sit around a campfire holding hands and singing Kumbaya. That's not, that's not what they're looking for. What they're looking for is a Canada where Orthodox Christianity and everything it teaches about sexuality and human identity is uh, completely suppressed in this country. They don't want to tolerate that anymore. And, and they're willing, they've shown their cards, they're willing to even criminalize that. Um, and if, if we don't understand that that's the intention, that that's the goal, then I think we're, we're walking blind as, as Christian leaders in this country. I'm starting to get a kind of jaded perspective on the uh, on all those coexist bumper stickers. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Andre, uh, what, one of the things that, uh, that you pointed out uh, just before we started recording and that uh, we've both kind of been, been careful to, uh, to notice or emphasize and that this federal action plan makes explicit Mm-hmm. is that they took the uh, the two S in mm-hmm. that string of characters and they moved that to the beginning right. of the uh, yeah. of the code. Yeah. Uh, That's interesting, eh? I mean, so anyone who's who's old enough to remember, um, when I was in doing my undergrad, uh, so that would be in 2000, 2003, 4, 5, 6, in that in that time period, the acronym was way shorter. Way shorter. Mm-hmm. It was at the time, it was GLB, GLB, and and, and just starting to start see the T show up, but the T wasn't even even a real thing. Uh, it was GLB, gay, lesbian, bisexual, and that was the entirety of the um, of the acronym. And um, and and I think there's some some interesting uh, things that you can read also again in in uh, Carl Truman's book about the history there, uh, where originally. Um, in the 1980s, and this, of course, doesn't make its way into the timeline in the federal action plan, but in the 1970s and 80s, the, uh, the G's and the L's didn't exactly like each other. Um, and there was a strategic uh, plan made um, to, to ally each, uh, with each other in order to advance um, their particular issue. Um, but, but the L's and the G's really, really didn't like each other and, and didn't see common cause. And so um, what happened in, in the early 2000s is that, well, it was always men first. And, and so they didn't like that G was first. And so there was this ag- agreement, I guess, and, and the acronym shifted to be LGB to put women first and lesbians first. And so it was LGB. And around the same time, they started adding the T. And of course, that, that um, it, I, I don't mean to be uh, crass or mean, but the alphabet soup has continued to grow ever since, right? So now, then it went LGBT and then LGBTQ. Um, uh, the, so that would be uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer is, uh, Q stands for queer. I've seen ones as long as LGBTQQ2SIA. So uh, another T is transgender, one is transsexual, one is the Q is queer, it could also mean questioning. The I means intersex, which is a, you know, a, a biological thing, actually. It's, it's people right. who are born and, they, and, and you can't tell um, due to an abnormal, abnormality that uh, their, their uh, sexual organs have developed or uh, have improperly developed, whatever. Um, uh, so actually, they're, they're an anomaly within, within this string of letters to begin with because it's not about orientation. It's about a, a biological 
uh, anomaly. The, the A means an ally. So that could be anybody in the world, actually. Uh, it's anyone who allies themselves with the movement. Uh, the 2S is actually a First Nations designation. 2S stands for two-spirited. Yeah. And, um, and that comes out of some native uh, First Nations um, uh, spirituality where, where there's, there's some hints that, that there have been people in uh, that identified as as having both spirits, the spirit of of a woman and a spirit of a man, and uh, and, and so it's a it's a particularly indigenous uh, identity within within uh, this movement. And then the plus, of course, means anyone we've missed, because if you pay attention to Facebook, for example, you can pick one of uh, seventy plus genders and and so on. So so they need need to start using plus just to indicate that like hey there's there's way 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 more categories here and it's actually an infinite um, it's an infinite uh, uh, acronym because it it, right. it could go on and on and on. So so there's tons of politics uh, politicking even around this acronym. And so what has happened here in Canada and it's a peculiar thing to Canada is they put the two S in the front in order to try to um, a signal, um, some might say virtue signal, to signal that actually indigenous uh, people are our first priority and our our most um, oppressed uh, individuals. So, so, th- and this is where we could, if you want to get into it, Ryan, this is where like levels of intersectionality and that whole philosophy comes in as well. Right. Yeah, and that uh, that's that's an explicit uh, framework that they were using as well that. Uh in in the in the creation of this plan they mm-hmm. they mention at the beginning uh, a short section on their methodology that it was an an intersectional framework mm-hmm. maybe maybe we'll just spend if you don't mind 2 minutes mm-hmm. on a refresher on how how intersectionality uh, mm-hmm. is is apply, is understood and applied right so i mean like really really basically um it's it's a a philosophy that's come out and i think it was first kicked around in the 1980s and it's really come to the fore in the last uh 10 to 15 years i think but the idea is that uh, people have um different levels of of oppression uh that they that that they experience in their life and for some people um they experience oppression in multiple sections so um, so their, their levels of, uh, or their, their ac- oppressed experiences intersect multiple times. So for example, you and I, Ryan, uh, you know, our, our, our listeners don't know this necessarily because they can't see us, but you know, we, we don't have any levels of oppression because we're white and we're male and we're Anglos and we're Christians. And, and so none of those categories, according to the theory behind intersectionality, none of those categories are, are categories of oppression, uh, despite the fact that fellow Christians are, are killed more often in this, in this world on the globe than any other religious group. Um, but anyway, um, so, uh, if you are uh, a lesbian, you, you have a double, a double intersecting oppressive category that you, you experience in your life, according to the theory, right? Because a lesbian is a sexual minority, but then a lesbian is also a woman. So women are oppressed or have a history of oppression and lesbians as a sexual minority have a history of oppression. And therefore there, there's a double oppression there. There's an intersection of, of two layers of, of oppression. Well, it, a 2S person is a sexual minority and may be a biological female and is also an indigenous person. So there's three levels of intersecting oppression. Uh, if they happen to have a disability, that's four. If they happen to be francophone, that's five. Uh, so you can imagine just how, how far down this rabbit trail you can go. And, and what, it, 
what it does, the down, the, the, the biggest problem with it, I suppose, is uh, one is it uses categories of people instead of evaluating an individual as an individual, as a unique image bearer of God, I, I would say. Uh, but but more than that, it's grievance-based, right? It, it fosters uh, enmity and envy and hatred and strife, um, and it does not... Uh, Anyone who subscribes to intersectionality in that theory um, that that I've ever heard speak or or met and talked with, um, they, they they aren't looking for um, for for peace and reconciliation, but rather they want to air grievances and they want to um, yeah I, I just find that the, yeah it's about yeah envy and strife and and that's mm-hmm. not it's not helpful it's certainly not helpful to to uh, society I think. And it's a uh, it's a zero sum kind of calculus where like somebody somebody is going to be oppressed. Oppression mm-hmm. is is on this framework an mm-hmm. inescapable category. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's not a question of mm-hmm. oppression versus no oppression. It's it's just which group which group are we going to going to oppress mm-hmm. this. Around. Well, and, and it is actually so the thing that that should actually really concern us. So I'm, I'm a I'm a lawyer. So I follow uh, a lot of the decisions that come out of the Supreme Court of Canada and other courts as well. And this theory of intersectionality is making its way into legal judgments. So it's already mm-hmm. been made explicit by the Supreme Court of Canada as it relates to indigenous offenders. Right. So if if you're charged with a crime and you and you're found guilty of that crime, if you're indigenous, the Supreme Court has said that the judge must give consideration to that fact when they sentence an individual. In other words, an indigenous person will be sentenced less harshly than any other Canadian, all things considered. And, and so some people are like, well, that's that's okay, that's fine, because you know, look at the long history of residential schools and and so on. And and I, I'm the first to to say that residential schools was a black mark on on our our history. I would say it's a black mark for reasons other than the mainstream media will tell you, but but it's sure. a black mark on our history, and we won't get into that right now. But but where do you end? So there's now been new uh, additional court judgments at, at the trial level in Nova Scotia, for example, where a trial judge said, well, if that's true for Indigenous people, it should also be true for Black people. And so uh, he's a trial judge in Nova Scotia has incorporated the same principle with Black people. And I could imagine that you know people would say the same for Southeast Asian uh, individuals because look at we we rounded up all the Japanese and put them in concentration camps and during World War II, and I mean that's had a profound negative impact on Japanese Canadians. So so where does that end? Like why not instead of saying in the criminal code, well you got to sentence Indigenous and Black and Asian people less harshly? Why don't we just cut all those words out and just say well if they're white, sentence them harder, uh, more harshly, right? right? Like that's the flip side. That's the way of saying it in the negative, right? So it sounds very positive when you say, well, you got to give careful consideration and and extra. Uh, mitigation to to people of this category and that category and that category. Um, well, by the time you add up all those categories, there's only one other category left. Why not we just say, well, let's just sentence that category, the category of, of white Canadians, let's say. Uh, let's just sentence them harsher than the other people. Of course, that would grate on their sense of justice. And that's, that's the problem, is that this theory deals with people according to the people group that they're a member of, Instead of deal- dealing with them as an individual person with moral agency who has made a, a moral decision to either commit the crime or not, and and that's what should be judged in in a, 
in the justice system. So I, this is a bit of an aside, I suppose, from this federal uh, 2SLGBTQI plus action plan. But but just on that point of intersectionality, that that's part of the problem. And and as this action plan makes clear, right, this is a whole mm-hmm. of government approach. So that means they also want the justice system, uh, you know, doing doing this as well, in, in incorporating these kinds of ideas as well. Right. And it, uh, it I mean, it, it is, you know, directly related in some ways, like just in terms of pure bookkeeping and accounting, if you've, if you're putting a hundred million dollars towards this action plan, yeah. and then if, if, uh, if I come along and I've, Hey, I've got an action plan to, uh, to encourage and strengthen, uh, monogamous marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, sorry, we've already put our money towards a, an action plan this year. Mm-hmm. We're not, uh, we're not going to do that. Right. But. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's, that's actually, that's a great, great example, right? I mean, one of the policy areas that that uh, the team that I work with here at ARPA Canada, one of the policy areas that we're working on is is family law. So family law is, mm-hmm. is generally a provincial jurisdiction uh, matter. And so in Ontario, for example, the law was changed in 2016 um, to delete the words mother and father from all right. Ontario family law, and then to allow for families to be constituted with up to uh, four random adults, not married, not necessarily living together, uh, who could conceive a child through a preconception parentage agreement. And that child could be the biological product of two other adults. So not even the four that are going to be the, the the legal parents. And they could even um, you know, incubate this child in, in a surrogate as a, as a fifth or a seventh adult in this arrangement. And, and the law, <laughs> the title of that law that made all of that possible um, is called the All Families Are Equal Act. Well, That's right. if, if, if we look at the research, Ryan, if we look at the research, it's, it's, it's unequivocal. It shows that a child who is, is raised by their biological father and their biological mother and that that biological father and mother are married to each other, live in the same home as the child, that statistically speaking, that child will do much, much better on every measure of sociability, will do much better than any other child in any other relationship. And so if we said exactly what you said, if we said, look, federal government, let's actually have an action plan that promotes the nuclear natural family of one dad and one mom who are committed to each other in a covenantal marriage uh, until death do them part and that are committed to raising their own biological children. And let's promote that. What, what would be the answer? The answer wouldn't just be that, oh, we've already, already given $100 million to a different right. action plan. It's that, no, 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 your vision of what is good is contrary to our vision of what is good uh, because you can't hold both of those visions equally. And, and that's, that's the myth of you know, uh, uh, pluralism and, and, and uh, neutrality and, and secularism and all of that. It's that this isn't neutral. Uh, this is the furthest thing from neutral. This is shoving down a, a, a religious, a pagan religious commitment down down the throats of of Canadians, and and uh, yeah, it's not it's not neutral. No, you're right. Absolutely right. It is. It is nothing short of that. Uh, Andre, in uh, in light of this uh, this action plan, which again we uh, we didn't vote for it. Uh, it this was not brought. To, brought to the electorate but it's not it's it's going ahead this is mm-hmm. where the money's pledged uh how uh, what's the what is a what's a response or how how should we then live uh in this reality mm. yeah i mean uh, so i would say 
So um, this this action plan it 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 was actually part of the liberal um, the liberal party's uh, election campaign. So it was listed oh, in their platform, uh, but. But there was no vote on it in the sense that it's not it's not like it got tabled in Parliament and there's a robust debate in Parliament about whether or not we should include one hundred million dollars in the in the federal budget for this. It just it just happened. Right. They campaigned on it. They got elected. And the minister of uh, uh, what is it called? The the minister of women and gender equality and youth, you know, gets this this budget and, and away she goes, blow, blows this one hundred million dollars here. Um, so in that sense, it hasn't been voted on. Uh, certainly, there was no debate in Parliament over it. Um, but yeah, like like how how then should we live? That's that's a really good question. I mean, so a couple of thoughts. One is that it's it's very clear. It's becoming clearer and clearer every every week. It seems that um, where our culture is at on these these issues of sexuality and human identity is is it's not just a little bit off from what a Christian worldview is. It's antithetical to what scripture teaches. And um, Christians must, um, they must understand not only the truth of what God reveals to us in his word and and is in his created order about what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman and what it means to enjoy sexuality uh, and, and sexual contact appropriately, not only do we need to know the truth about all of that, but we need to understand the goodness and the beauty of that as well. God doesn't, doesn't impose the laws just for the sake of law and order. He also imposes it for a good, for a flourishing, for a well-being. And, and he does it always in a way that, that is beautiful. Um, and, and so Christians need to embrace that. And we cannot compromise on this because you know we, we started by, by quoting from uh, Mr. Trudeau's um, press conference where he, where he said that he wants um, he wants a, a, a country this, this whole of government approach right to achieve a future where everyone in Canada is truly free to be who they are and to love who they love and and what is love they, they don't define that right um, you, you might have seen protests and so on that, that wave uh, rainbow banners and so on and they hold signs that say love is love well what is love like define it for us well we know God is love. Uh, we know from uh, uh, the letter to the Corinthians 13th chapter, I think it's 1 Corinthians uh, 13, talks about love. Love is patient and kind and uh, it does not boast, it's not envious, uh, it's not rude, it does no harm to its neighbor. Um, uh, what does Paul say in Romans about love is the fulfillment of the law? Um, so so what is love? It's it, we we don't. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. Uh, love is has to be evaluated by the standard of God's word. Uh, he tells us what love is. Um, and 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 when again, when we step back and look around us, you know, when we look at what a, a nuclear family looks like and what that means for a child uh, to be known and nurtured and loved by their dad and their mom. That that is love. Like love would say, we want to support that. We want that child to flourish. That's love. Um, this this action plan offers something very different, something much more destructive. Um, love is is being able to see um, the the much higher incidence of of uh, particular types of diseases and uh, shorter life expectancy and um, uh, struggling with you know. Um, uh, mental and emotional uh, concerns and health uh, health crises and so on in in 
this 2SLGBTQI plus community and saying, look, I'm, I'm willing to have a hard conversation with you. I'm willing to disagree with you because love is, yeah, uh, love would require that. Um, so I guess, but, but if, I, if I compromise on that, if I compromise on the truth of what God says, if I fail to work to see the goodness and the beauty of what God has designed, and then I stay silent in the face of all this, then, then I'm, not, I'm not showing love. I'm, I'm capitulating to the, to the current of our time, and, and I condemn my two SLGBTQI plus uh, neighbors and fellow citizens um, to, 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 to living in, in ignorance. Um, and, and we can't do that. We have to hold the line. If, yeah, I, I could go on about that, Ryan. Uh, that's, that's my initial thought. What, what do you think? No, I really appreciate that, Andre. Um, and I, yeah, on the, uh, on, on the, the personal and the organizational level, I think that, to, that that's right on. These are the, these are the the hard conversations that we have to have, mm-hmm. and this is uh, uh, else elsewhere in Scripture. Uh, we hear that God loves us, and He shows us shows that He loves us, you know, because He corrects us, because right. He does not let us live, and uh, you know, just t- persist in our sin. Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, yeah, to to uh, to equate love with acceptance or a uh, with a endorsement is 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 and always has been mm-hmm. a a faulty assumption right and it, uh, i guess on the uh, on a a broader level uh, you mentioned the uh, the work that uh, that arpa is doing we're very grateful for the work that you've been doing with arpa the uh, the policy uh, discussions and advocacy that you've been doing so i guess uh, yeah one of one of the reasons why uh, I wanted to have this conversation with you is because of the uh, the way that uh, you've been active in this space already, and so just appreciate appreciate you and DARPA and the uh, the work that you guys have been doing there. Well, thank you very much, Ryan. I appreciate it. The um, yeah, the the I guess the that that would be another thing that you know you you, you mentioned like the personal. Like so, there's personal things, uh, the personal conversations and relationships we have with with other people, not not compromising on the truth, uh, not losing sight of the good and the beautiful, um, and then at the organizational level, right? As as church, maintaining our doctrine, uh, trusting in the in in the goodness and and truth of Scripture, that it's it's not wrong, that what God reveals there is true, and not trying to you know parse um, you know Bible text to suit suit the culture, but then also. Um, uh, being willing, even even broader than just a local church community, but but as a church, uh, broadly speaking, in in this country, being able to and willing to engage in uh, political discourse, um, yeah. there there is a a tradition I think that is misguided within within Christianity that that uh, abandons the public square, particularly political discourse, the political square, to um, they they abandon it and and they leave it to others. They they feel that. Uh, politics is maybe icky, or politics is, um, you know, is is a secular realm that that Christianity shouldn't shouldn't really be involved in, or um, yeah, or they feel that Christianity is all about just just evangelizing, just you know, um, preaching the gospel, uh, and and they abandon the the public square, the political square. Well, if Christianity abandons the political square, then we should not be at all surprised when uh, a different religious um, 
majority fills that square uh, with their own religious presuppositions, mm. pagan or otherwise. And, and that's what we see with, with, with this kind of thing. Um, um, and, and so my encouragement would be that, that Christians think carefully, especially Christian leaders think carefully about um, as, as they apply the gospel, as they preach the gospel, it, it needs to be preached to individuals and it needs to be, be preached and applied to an entire culture at the same time. Um, and that, and that, yeah, because the gospel has implications for all of life. Um, and, and I guess that that would be an encouragement as well. Is that, that we not say, oh, that's a political issue. I'm not really going to go there. Um, well, no, like we, we need to go there. And, and also we need to go there, especially because the trend over the last 50, 60, 70 years now is that more and more things are becoming political issues that were never political issues before. And That's they're becoming right. political issues because this is a political movement. Um, you know, if, if 1945, you asked a Canadian, um, is, is how I identify, is, is that a political issue or not? They, they wouldn't really have understood the question. Um, if, if you had asked them, you know, is, is murder, uh, a political issue, they would say, no, I mean, it's a criminal issue, but it's not like a political issue. It's not really something we, we debate in politics so much. It's just, it's just wrong period. Um, but, uh, and, and if you'd asked anyone who is a leader in a church, they would have said, said the same thing, like things like abortion or euthanasia or, um, uh, sexual, uh, ethics, they would have said, these are, these are things that are moral, of course, uh, but but the church shouldn't be silent on these things. We're, we're going to teach what's right and wrong, and, and we're not going to shy away th from them because they're political. They weren't really political. I mean, they were illegal. They were criminal uh, at the time, but but not political in the sense that uh, you know this 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 is something that should be debated in the public square in in in, in the way that it is now. So. No, that's uh, that's a good point. I appreciate that. Well, Andre, uh, thanks so much for uh, for being on the show today. It's uh, good to uh, good to reconnect with you, mm -hmm. and uh, I hope that uh, hope that this will encourage uh, more Canadians to uh, just to be attentive to uh, what's going on. We've got uh, we've in on here in Ontario. We've got municipal elections going on right around this this season. Uh, Learn, learn who those candidates are. Go and meet them. Figure out uh, what they what they intend to do right here in your own backyard and in your own towns, and uh, partic participate in in your uh, in your community. Influence that uh, that space uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll just uh, leave that uh, that exhortation there at the end. Mm -hmm. Andre, I really appreciate you being here. From all of us at the Ezra Institute, we remind you that from him and through him and to him are all things. May God be glorified. We'll see you again soon.